0: Arizona, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader, Bigley Blast. I know this might sound like hearsay in the land of Larry Legend, but has a wide receiver ever impacted an Arizona football team more than DeAndre Hopkins? I mean, while he served a six game suspension, the Cardinals couldn't do a thing on offense. Their head coach quarterback combination looked like the most overrated, overpaid tandem in football, and Cliff Kingsbury's seat was becoming so hot, he actually volunteered to give up play calling duties. Ah, but not any anymore. Kingsbury said yesterday that Hopkins has fixed that problem seriously. The dude returned with his own hype video even though he was returning from a PED suspension. He called a players only meeting asking Kyler Murray to speak first followed by Buddha Baker. He put his arm around a raging Kyler Murray on Thursday night football when the quarterback was screaming at his head coach. He caught 10 passes for over 100 yards and his team scored over 40 for the first time in 88 games, and now he alone has apparently covered up all the flaws and restored all confidence in a team that was dazed and confused and had its fan base on the brink of mutiny. Will this last? Who knows, but I'll say this. DeAndre Hopkins has won over 65% of the football games he has played in over the past four years, and you cannot deny the super supersized swagger he brings and how it might affect those in his presence and his utter confusion Conviction regarding his own greatness is truly something to behold. All right, today's Bickley Blast brought to you by my great friends at Chapman BMW who make luxury affordable. Find them online at chapmanbmw.com.
1: Yeah, you saw you know the production with the catches and yards, but then the three first downs on on passing penalties he drew uh, some cr- crucial critical situations. The, that's what he does. They got to account for him every single snap, and and as a play caller, you know they have to do that. And so there's other areas of the field you can work and do some different things to try and take advantage of it. It's
2: Cliff Kingsbury with Wolf and Luke yesterday here on Arizona Sports about having DeAndre Hopkins back. We saw the first. The first sampling of that after the six weeks a- absence for uh, the the PED uh, suspension, he had, what, 14 targets, 10 catches? 14 targets, 10 catches. Over 100 yards. Three pass interference slash holding penalties. Does that coincide with the best offensive performance the Cardinals have put forth uh, over the course of a full football game this year? Probably. Mm-hmm. I think New Orleans defense and... The absences they had on that side of the ball had something to do with it. But you mentioned this in the blast, too. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins is back. Yeah. Uh, that idea of Cliff Kingsbury, maybe giving up the play, call, yeah. play calling what duties this that? week.
1: Uh, yeah, this was with Wolf and Luke as well. Yeah, I will uh, against the Vikings. As soon as D-Hop's out again, you can call him Wolf <laughs> or <laughs> whoever else wants to do it, and y'all see how that goes. Um, but no, it, it's, uh, we're working through some things still, and, and we have a long way to go. Um, we got to be more consistent, there's no doubt. But I, I like where it's heading, um, so hopefully we can, we can keep the momentum going.
2: Just as we suspected, this whole put everything in the DeAndre Hopkins basket, when he's back, everything will be fine. Yeah. Well, it was fine for one week. You bring up a very interesting point, too. The gist of that blast was Larry Fitzgerald obviously was so important to this franchise for so long. What we didn't see routinely in Larry Fitzgerald's career was him miss any games for any reason whatsoever. So we never knew how uh, affected they were by his absence.
0: Great point. Um, But but in terms of singular importance to the team, I'm not sure I've seen anything like this. (laughs) You know what I mean? Especially Uh, for a non-quarterback. Exactly. Uh, Walter Mitchell, who writes for Revenge of the Birds, he, he puts out some real interesting stuff on occasion. He pointed this out, and I think this is this is a good summary of, of, of how crazy things were getting. Uh, Jason LaConfora asserted that Kyler and Cliff was no longer working. That is true. We read that. Steve Young described the Cardinals' current offensive philosophy as a wing-it-sandlot bleep show. Mina Kimes, o- Mina Kimes opined after the Seahawks dominated the Cardinals that it doesn't appear as if Cliff and Kyler do their homework with regard to where opposing defenses are vulnerable, and then Dan Orlovsky describing the Cardinals' offense as having no structure and no rhythm. Now, these are all national voices who were looking at the Cardinals' offense and just being appalled at what they were seeing. These same people are looking at at some of the the the, the timing routes that he threw to De- that Kyler Murray threw to DeAndre Hopkins and just the way he calmed that offense down and from the players only meeting it's Dan Orlof- was it Dan Orlovsky who jokingly said if if this guy's that important give him Cliff Kingsbury's money right it's it, 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 look at just everything that he brought to the table on that Thursday night football game uh, from the the hype video alone was just. Something that to announce your return when your absence was self inflicted?
2: Did you see Jarrett's tweet about
0: this? <laughs> I did not.
2: Jarrett quote tweeted the video. And said something like, oh, man, am I
0: hyped. Oh, Lowercase I did see H-Y that. capital yeah, P-E-D. That, yes, that was very well done, Jared. I think Thank I actually you. retweeted that one. Yes. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. So, um, yeah. Glad I, to see you guys are getting along again. Hey, my, my issue isn't with him, man. It's all good. <laughs> H-Y-P-E-D. So, so there's the hype video, and then there's the players only for him to come into the room and say, okay, here's what we're doing. I've been gone for 6 weeks. But here's what we're doing. Kyler, you're going to get up and speak first cuz you're the quarterback and you need to do this. Okay, up. Buddha, you're next. Okay? Stunning.
2: Yeah, in a good way. In a in, in a in a in a good way. Right now, it seems like it's in a good way. What happens moving forward? Now on DeAndre Hopkins' leadership skills, Cliff Kingsbury talked to
1: Wolf and Luke about that as well. Yeah, he does. And the the competitive spirit. I mean, when he's out on the field, I think all of us have more confidence. It's the way he carries himself, the way he plays. You, you truly feel like he's going to be hard to stop when he's out there, and, and that makes us all have a little bit more pep in our step. Yeah. <laughs> It's reassuring that he's back. There's no doubt about it. Uh,
2: the fact that by really no doing of their own, the Cardinals, Cardinals are still in this race. Mm-hmm. It's just the weirdness of the NFC West and the NFC in general. Yeah. So they, they had some conditions fall their way. Um, but again, man, I, I just can't get past the disappointment of watching a broken offense for most of six full weeks knowing you know, the, With the Cardinals knowing that he wasn't going to be there I know How ready were they for it And, and I'm not blaming Hollywood Brown I thought he was outstanding while he was out there Uh, without DeAndre Hopkins, but they just look like they didn't, like they didn't have a plan and they couldn't come up with one. That was almost the problem though, is that like Hollywood Brown just essentially took the place of DeAndre Hopkins, but he's not quite as good. Yes. Because if you look at statistically, he dominated games pretty much like D-Hop is, but just not quite as well. It's like they don't know how to get all the other pieces involved
0: no matter what the scenario is yeah, no doubt about it you. and it's and on one hand it's it's very damning of of the organization and again props to gamble for pushing steve kime on that because that that really is something that is is beyond explanation how can you be that bad without yeah. him when you had all those months to prepare? And here was that exchange between Gambo and Steve Kime yesterday.
2: So
3: are you saying that was a good trade or no? I'm saying that was a good trade, but I also like to say, <laughs> you know, you've had six months to figure out how to play without him, and you guys didn't yeah. do that great of a job playing without him. Well, that's a fair point. That is a fair point. Um, you know, again, I, I, I don't. I wish I could tell you, um, but but I do uh, know that that he makes a difference when he's on the field and his ability uh, to do. The things that I just told you as as uh, strong as he is in a crowd I mean all those different things with the catching radius I mean Plus, he's a guy that's got swag. I mean, he instills confidence in our football team. Yeah,
2: he's definitely done that. We'll see if that continues Sunday in Minnesota. Uh, NASCAR Championship Weekend returns to Phoenix Raceway November 4th through 6th. The weekend will have something for everyone, from the diehard NASCAR fans looking to get close to the action, to the fans looking for fun, exciting, and a family atmosphere. Uh, Head to the contest page now at ArizonaSports.com for your chance to win sold-out grandstand tickets. Coming up next, we will talk Phoenix Suns and the NBA as they get Ready for the Warriors tonight in downtown. Sam Amick, senior NBA writer from The Athletic, will join us straight ahead. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.
4: Sunday, presented by YRefi.com. Bickley and Murata Mornings, Arizona Sports,
0: the local sports leader.
2: Tuesday edition of Bickley and Murata Mornings rolls on here on Arizona Sports. Getting ready for Suns Warriors for the first time of the 2022-23 season at Footprint Center tonight. Here to talk NBA and Phoenix Suns with us from the athletic NBA senior writer Sam Amick, our guest here on the Arizona Sports line. Sam, good morning. How are you? Good morning, guys. Doing great. Thanks for having me. Uh, always a pleasure to have you on the show uh, and uh, obviously anticipating a huge matchup right now. Um, and uh, look, we... <laughs> We didn't have the greatest feeling about the Phoenix Suns coming out of, uh, you know, embarrassing playoff defeat to the Dallas Mavericks, a really uneven kind of eventful soap opera filled off season for a number of different reasons. But through three games, they look pretty good. I mean, what, what have you seen uh, from from your viewpoint on the Suns through three games, Sam?
5: Yeah, I mean, it's this league just cracks me up with how unpredictable certain things are because, you know, In some situations, you thought the locker room dynamics would impact things on the floor, and they did, you know, uh, a la, you know, kind of the Lakers come to mind. But then you look at Phoenix, and we made all these assumptions about, you know, whatever kind of toll it it was taken during the Robert Sarver experience, you know, in addition to the DeAndre Aiden uncomfortableness in terms of his contract negotiations, and then, You look up and and these guys look really good. You know, they obviously dropped that game to Portland, but we're seeing how how well Portland's playing early, so it's it's a good start for them and and a reminder that uh, they obviously got
0: a pretty darn good team. I uh, I, I personally see a lot of uh, potential holes on this roster. I, but let's start with Chris Paul. You've been covering this guy for a long, long time. You know him just about as well as anybody. Let's put in context here. What are we seeing now? Because I, I think we all kind of reconciled what we saw at the end of the Dallas series. And that might have been a player who, who had come down with COVID-19 and might have been zapped of his energy. But he doesn't look all that different this year. Is he just slow rolling his way? Way into a season, or do you think maybe it's all catching up to him?
5: Tough to tell, Dan. You know, I think, you know, we're going to have to look at this thing a month in. Uh, if they can keep winning games while he finds his way, that's obviously great. And, and, and Book, of course, has been playing his, his tail off and, and kind of carrying them, as well as DeAndre. But you know, yeah, it's a slow start for Chris. Uh, you know, and I'm cheating here and glancing at his game log, and you know, it's like you got you got poor shooting. Uh, you know, you still got pretty big minutes. So, uh, Monty Williams is is trying to help him find his way and leaving him out there. But um, you know, distributing and, and you know, defensively, uh, he's just not the guy he used to be. So we'll see, right? I mean, yep. 37 years old is you know, it's funny because you, you know, I wrote about this last year that the whole backstory about how when Oklahoma City first got Chris. They sat in a room with he and his personal team, like his agent and a bunch of his people. And, and Sam Presti and his Thunder front office had a PowerPoint presentation that they shared with Chris that, that had all this stuff about what typically happens to point guards who at that time are, you know, he's looking at 35 year old, not 37. Mm-hmm. And, and Chris, of course, kind of like, you know, they didn't take kindly to this and decided to prove everybody wrong. And he has to this point. But there's a reason that the data looked the way it looked in that presentation. You know what I mean? And and, and that's just kind of the, the fight that he's going to be, you know, keep pushing back on with Father Time here.
2: Sam Amick, uh, NBA writer from The Athletic, our guest here on the Arizona Sports Line. Uh, Sam, maybe you can help us make sense of where it's at right now with the Jay Crowder situation with the Suns. And to rewind, I don't know if I understood the Suns telling Jay Crowder at some point, hey, you're not going to start or finish for this team. I'm not sure I understand Jay Crowder, who's been the ultimate team player in his career, saying, all right, then trade me to somewhere I want to be. And I don't know if I see any kind of resolution uh, in the near future. I mean, can you make heads or tails of this and, and, and where we are in this process?
5: Yeah, I, I I agree with the way you, you framed it, Vince. Um, it's funny because, and this is just on my mind today, I, I did this interview with John Wall that just came out today, right? And he talks at length about his situation with the Houston Rockets where they told him, you know, hey, you're welcome to stick around, but you're going to play 10 minutes, you know, one night, and then you're not going to play the next, you know, as long as you're okay with that reality. Then sure, come aboard, and, and he of course wasn't, and they decided to to have him stay home while they found a trade. Now it's you know not quite the same situation mm-hmm. in terms of Jay's deal, but but it does kind of illuminate a thing that in the league is a little bit troubling, where these good like however they got there, you just have good players who are not playing, and it's unfortunate. And okay, so Cam Johnson is elevating, and Jay, you know, uh, isn't loving the fact that maybe he doesn't have his spot anymore uh, in, in terms of what it used to be, but it seems pretty extreme to have had it go the way that it does. Uh, you know, if, if that was what happened all over the league, that would not be a good thing. You know, I think about the Warriors and how, you know, Jordan Poole is kind of quickly coming for Klay Thompson's job. You know what I mean? Like they're going to send Clay home, you know? Um, so uh, that part's unfortunate. And, you know, there's obviously, Interest when it comes to Jay. I mean, he's a guy that's it's an absolute winner. You know, Arsham Sharania had reported this week on our site that, um, that Milwaukee was interested and, you know, there been some other teams attached to that too. Miami was one of them as well. But, you know, we'll see where it goes, and, and the sooner the better for Jay to get back on the floor.
0: You know, some of the people I, I talk to around the league, they're they're kind of perplexed at what James Jones' long-term uh, plan is here. It's very rare for a team to be in it to win it like the Suns seemingly are and yet have their full cachet of draft picks. Nothing leaving, nothing coming back. And, yeah. and yep. people wonder if they're just sitting on this, if the Kevin Durant thing still might be in play. How do you make sense yep. of, of how they're handling their roster right now?
5: Uh, I don't. I mean, other that's your analysis, Dan, and I think it's spot on. And so I'm making sure I don't act as if I'm hearing that. But in terms of what I've covered on this story from the past, that makes a ton of sense. Um, the Durant thing is, I mean, if you have a, a team like the Suns that feels like it's close, and then, you know, you talk about, like, dream – propositions, you know, Kevin Durant is on everybody's short list. If if you're a team that wants to win right now, like the reason that the trade offers for him were not great last time around is because obviously if you're talking about the long view, Kevin Durant just really doesn't fit into the long view. Like he's a short term prospect, but um, keeping your powder dry, like James might be here would be wise. And I also know from talking to James in the past that, you know, like even going back to his rationale for, the DeAndre Ayton contract, uh, you know, and and the way they handled that, that had everything to do with keeping their options open. And I'm always a sucker for understanding the way people's minds work. Right. So, you know, you got to also remember that James is, you know, a massive part of that Miami heat little mini dynasty where, what did they do? They, they threw a bunch of elite wings together, you know, with LeBron and D Wade and then Chris Bosh down low and, and found a way to, to dominate the league. And, That sort of a mentality, I think, certainly remains as far as James's view on team building. So that would make a lot of sense, uh, and maybe that does explain why he's slow planted here.
2: Sam Amick of the athletic our guest. Before we uh, let you go, Sam, I wanted to ask you a question uh, about the Lakers. <laughs> there was so much made about uh, their off season, their roster construction. It took Darvin Ham, their new head coach, three games before he was talking about players, uh, you know, not getting their feelings involved in, in, in situations. The shooting numbers are absolutely atrocious for them. Um, is this at all fixable in, in, in your mind?
5: Um, I mean, Longview, yeah. It's uh, not anytime soon. And, you know, I, I think I'm probably starting to be on the side of the fence that thinks that I understand why they don't want to give up two firsts, you know, for a trade like, like Buddy Hills and Miles Turner, because it's going to take you from very mediocre to maybe okay. And that's, and that's a big price to pay yeah. for that kind of, a you know, improvement. <laughs> um, it might be time to seriously talk about just I mean ironically, we talk of I'm sitting here saying you don't want good players to not be able to play, but real Russ's choice to be upset with coming off the bench to can, you know, do the very things that Darvin Ham has been begging him not to do, like that shot, yes. you know, with thirty seconds left um in the in the last game against Portland. Uh that's the kind of stuff that might ultimately lead to him getting sent home. And then they just figure it out from there. And yet again, we're going to have a John Wall type situation um, because it is—it really does appear to be impacting the mood. Uh, LeBron, I, I feel, it's just my opinion that he's—I mean, he's biting his tongue to a pretty major degree here um, because I think at this stage of his career, he just—this is again me projecting or, or analyzing. I don't think he wants any. And he I mean, he didn't want his fingerprint on, you know, kind of the end of the Russ era. And he doesn't want to be the one perceived as having pushed him out and not been there for a fellow star player. But you, it's not hard to watch his body language and, you know, some of the other guys on the team. It's a bad situation. And they're a bad team, and I don't see it getting better anytime
2: soon. Sam, great stuff as always. Thanks so much for carving out some time for us this morning. We appreciate it. (laughs) You got it. Thank Thank you, gentlemen. Sam Amick, senior NBA writer from The Athletic, our guest here on the Arizona Sports Line. Great stuff. Uh, Oh, yeah. That LeBron stuff got spot on. Coming up next, we shift our focus to the world of hockey. Our weekly visit with Shane Doan is straight ahead. It's Bickley and Murata mornings live from the ak Community Studios here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the Local sports leader. Don't scores on the rebound.
5: Shane Doan. Shane Doan got a piece of it. I think this goal is going to go to the captain. Captain Coyote. By Shane Doan sets a one hopper on net. He scores. The captain Coyotes legend Shane Doan up early to talk
2: Coyotes hockey with Bickley and Murata. A shot by Shane Doan. He
5: scores.
2: Yep, the yeah, Coyotes just days away from their first home game of the twenty twenty two twenty three season. Uh, but before that, they have to wrap up their road trip, and that happens in Columbus today. Here to talk Coyotes with us, Shane Doan, our guest on the Arizona Sports Line. Good morning, Shane.
4: Good morning. How are you guys doing today?
2: Doing good. Uh, well, look, we know the circumstances behind it, but there's one team in the NHL that has not played a game on home ice. Man, that's got to be really <laughs> a really rough way to start the season.
4: Yeah, uh, the old 16 day road trip right off the, out of the gate. Uh, that's always a little bit of a tough one. Um, it's good and bad. And I love how, how organizations will be, you know, well, hey, this is what will bring us together and, and this is going to be, you know, we're going to be really much closer. Yeah. And that's true. There's definitely some truth to it, but it does stink and we're excited to be in front of our own. Our own fans.
0: Yeah, and it's it's also going to be obviously a, a very big deal to see a hockey game in this kind of intimate setting. How do you think it's going to hit people?
4: Well, it's something that you won't get another chance to really do. You won't get a chance to watch an NHL team in front of you know the, the size of stadium that we have, and that's unique and something that. Um, is only going to be here for hopefully a short time and we'll get through this and then uh, at the same time it's a new arena I've been there a couple times I've watched my son play four games in the building and it's a fun arena it's an incredible atmosphere with the with the student section and the band and all that college hockey brings so this is going to be something that's unique and um it's going to be something that uh you should come and see
2: we're talking with uh, shane Don as we do every week here on uh, bickley and Murata mornings in terms of the the on ice product from the coyotes um it's one of those weird statistical things that um, you don't see very often. They've lost four games. They've given up exactly six goals in all four games. When when you diagnose the reason for that lighting up of the scoreboard from the opponents of the Coyotes, how, how do you break it down? Is it uh, defensive miscues? Is it, has it been goaltending? Has it been a combination of everything?
4: I would, I would say it's probably a combination of everything. It's... Um... It's a young team but uh, there's uh, there, there's a, there's quite a bit of turnover. We lost a a, a ton of veteran guys last year um, you, you start looking at the guys they took out about six thousand man games out of the out of the team and uh, those guys really they were stabilizing and, and helpful and we got a, a younger group that has to start to kind of do it themselves and I think that uh, there's moments when we've been okay but it's that full 60 minute game that we got to get we got to play a full 60 minute game Yeah. yeah. when we when we, we make mistakes it ends up in our net right now
0: yeah and that that was a real flat third period some people are calling it might maybe possibly the worst third period of the season so far it's it, you hope that that isn't you know a sign of um, I don't know defeatism I think you're right I, I think it's 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 a long road trip to start the season it's and you're right that every coach always tries to spin that as a positive. Oh, we're gonna grow, we're gonna we're gonna be together, we're gonna have team meals and the camaraderie is gonna be incredible. And now you're like, can we please get home? Sick of you people. Sick of you people
4: <laughs> Exactly. I know that you two like each other, but by the end of four hours every week it's probably getting a little bit exhausting. So, uh, Jared just told me he hated me <laughs> a half an
0: hour ago, donor
4: I <laughs> wasn't even at the end of the yeah, two was four mean, hours.
0: We were only an hour and Tuesday. a half day. It's only Tuesday. <laughs> Right? <laughs> yeah,
4: it's that's human nature. That's the way <laughs> humans are. We, we we like our space, and yeah, uh, right. when you're when you're on top of each other for that many days in a row, eventually something's got to give. So, um, and, and yet at the same time, uh, Andre Tarney is truly one of. The the best coaches I have ever been around in any sport and I've had the chance to be around a lot wow. and his big selling point is we're going to have we might have one of the worst schedules ever until the middle of December but then from January on we might have the best h- schedule in the history of the NHL <laughs> we just got <laughs> to
0: get to we just got to get to January so, Yep, <laughs> uh, in
2: my uh, in my own uh, very uh, humble way, I've diagnosed what this Coyotes team needs to turn this oh, around. I have you you? please share yes. uh, more games against Toronto.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Is can, that not a great stat? that we they make, showed the other day? Yeah, can we make that you- happen? Yeah, hey, um, it's it's a little, and it has to be in Toronto. Actually, the key is against Toronto in Toronto. That's true. We won't get um, another one of those until next year, unfortunately. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, they got this balance thing in the schedule that we can't (laughs) figure that out. But we've uh, we've uh, yeah, that's been that's that was obviously a big game, and it's so funny because. Toronto in the, is kind of the center of the hockey kind of world for the most part with regards to the amount of tension that the Leafs get. And a lot of our guys understand and have grew up in that area and played in that area. And so uh, that's always a good game for them to play in.
2: Shane Doner, guest uh, every uh, week here on uh, Bickley Marotta Mornings, wanted to get your thought to Doner on... Uh... Phil Kessel is on the verge of breaking the record for the longest consecutive game streak. He's got one more to break uh, Keith Yandel's record. And For a guy like you who played in a ton of games, over 1,500 games in the regular season in the NHL, and you were uh, you know, durable during the course of your career, how amazing is that to be able uh, to be available for almost 1,000 consecutive games in your mind?
4: It's absolutely incredible. Like that's a part. Like I, Jan's and I are close, and Phil and I are, are close as well. And talking to those two guys, like I'm, it was about at about eight hundred games. Jan took a puck to the face, and he lost like nine teeth, and had to have. Jeez. It was just. I think he had like twenty five stitches in his mouth and in his jaw and all over, and then there's some stuff at the end of it where they had to bridge his, his teeth together and anyways, but he didn't miss a game and you look at Phil and over the course of that many games like he has countless stories similar to that where he's broken he was walking around I could see him walking last year where he literally could barely put any weight on his foot, and he was still getting his foot in his skate, and once I'd get it in there, they'd freeze it and do whatever they could do. Because <laughs> he had some his his big toe had it was like almost like a turf toe, but in hockey you don't really get that. But you get kind of like a tendon issue, and uh, the fact that you're still capable of contributing when you're in that much pain is what's amazing. Because if you're if you're bad and you're hurt and you're sore, coaches don't really care about your streak. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> they just want to win. Mm-hmm. They're like, yeah, yeah. I, That's great, but I might get fired, so I'm sorry you're not playing. And for him to be able to compete, Uh and they might give you one game where they're like, okay, he was sore – but if he does that again, he's not playing. And for the guys to have that type of durability, um, stuff like your hands get beat up, your feet get beat up. Oh, and obviously your face takes a beating in our sport too. So the guys to battle through all that—it's so impressive. And uh, as all the jokes and everything you made, all the fun that everyone teases about Phil—he cares so much, and he wants to. He wants to his team to win and he's a competitive guy that loves hockey and uh, it's fun to see someone like that, have
0: and, that success. and the fact that he's never lost his hands throughout this time is quite something oh. it's, it's i mean that's staggering and you know that as a as a hockey player all right real quick um having a youth movement like this means you get to see a lot of guys get their first nhl goals it happened for dylan gunther what's it like for an nhl player to score their first goal
4: it's incredible, and you wish you want it to be in a game that you win, um, and that it matters. And that was that was we we didn't win the game, but that was a big goal to kind of get us back into the game against Ottawa. He is he's I, I think that he has a chance to be an elite scorer in our league, and uh, the kid can shoot a puck like. I haven't seen a lot of guys shoot a puck. That's he's in. He, he would arguably have as good a shot on our team right now as a as a 19 year old as there is, which is really unusual because yeah. your shot is one of the things that usually comes with a little bit of time, and as you age, you start to really dial it in but um that kid can shoot a puck and he understands the game and he's just an awesome kid um he's a guy that uh, uh i think he's got a really bright future and i look forward to watching him score a lot of goals for the coyotes
2: i just looked up your first goals donor
4: uh you had a pretty
2: good first uh, game on the score sheet you scored the game winner in overtime against eddie Belfour in the chicago blackhawks second goal of the game it's like yesterday right yeah
4: Yeah, yeah, just exactly. Only took me seventeen games to get my first one, (laughs) but don't don't tell anyone that. Um, But uh, that was yeah, yeah. I can remember it literally like yesterday. Um, I was terrible in the game. That was the funniest part. Like the whole game, I'd been sitting on the bench and I was terrible, and I scored with like a minute or two or three minutes left in the game to make. And we were still down by one. Then Taimu Solani scores to tie it up. And then I scored in overtime to win. So it took me 17 games to get my first one, but only three minutes to get my second one. So, <laughs> there you go. Uh, <laughs> I try to balance it out. <laughs> Do you remember who assisted
2: on the on the game winner? I, I'm only um, asking because I have it in front of me.
4: I, oh, you know what? It was uh, I caught a pass coming in on the weak side on Steve Smith, and it was from no Jamnoff. No, no, the Jamnoff. Darren Turcott, Yeah. Darren Turcott, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to, I, yeah, the first one was a, a one-on-two against Chelios and Suter, two Hall of Fame guys oh, and yeah, scored that's pretty on a good. Hall of Fame goalie, but, um, and then I got, I think, five for the rest of the year. So that wasn't exactly what you're looking for. Daughter,
2: <but. laughs> always good to talk to you. Uh, and next week we'll have a couple of home games to talk about when we uh, chat. Oh, about the yeah, yeah. That'll be
4: fun. Eh? That'll, that'll be, be, nice. be weird. Have a, uh, we'll you, are you guys coming to the game? You guys got to come to the game. We got to get out there One soon.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, we're, yeah. we're definitely coming. Yeah, we'll, we'll be there. All right. All right. We'll, got anything we'll to run into you guys there and talk there. Got anything to say to Jarrett before you leave, Shane? Yeah, you know, um, a logical
4: person would probably hang up the phone right now. Or, uh... So, Ed Belfort. I forget how old Shane Doan is sometimes until
2: you hear some of those names. Ed Belfort. That was in elementary school. Ed, when you
0: Eddie the Eagle. Yep. Eddie
4: the Eagle. Oh, he was out of his oh, mind. Jared. I covered that dude. Uh, shut up, Jerry. <laughs>
2: yeah, shut up, Jerry. Donor, we'll, we'll, we'll talk to you next week. All right. All right. See you guys. See you, Shane. Uh, Shane Doan, Coyotes Chief Hockey Development Officer, our weekly guest, here on Bickley, and Marada Mornings. Coming up next, we pondered the question earlier. We'll ponder it more coming up. Is Kyler Murray elevating on the list of NFL quarterbacks? Or has he hit a dip? We'll get into it straight ahead. It's Bickley and Murata mornings live from the OcChain Community Studios here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.
0: Dan Bickley, Vince Murata. Bickley and Murata
3: mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. No, not at all. I mean, listen, I mean, if, if we saw everything that was said in football and the emotions that come with it, I mean, Thursday night game, the roof's open, all black uniforms, uh, a lot of excitement. And, uh, again, emotions get high, and, and, and that'll happen from time to time. I'd rather see people be emotional than, uh, than obviously the, the alternative. And um, we were rolling Thursday night, and the guys were cranked up and ready to play.
2: Steve Keim, general manager of the Arizona Cardinals. on with Burns and Gambo yesterday here on Arizona Sports on uh, whether or not he had a problem with the Cliff and Kyler spat, which is one of the leftover items from yeah. last uh, Thursday's win over the Saints. And it's been dealt with and everybody, uh, and I think rightfully so, talks about the emotions of a game. Uh, when you're in competition, things can get a little haywire. Yeah. In fact, and you, that they were wearing new uniforms. Yeah, I mean, apparently, yeah, that, I don't know what that uh, was all again, about. Again, if you're just yeah. joining the show, I have to remind you, though, you know, Jerry Jared did tell Bick he hated him this morning. He baited um, right, me into that. right on the air. Yeah, I did kind of now bait him. You guys him into have that. patched it up, but I chalk it up to the emotions of the competition. The, the roof was the open moment. in the studio. Right. Yeah. We're yeah. wearing all black. I, Bick I, is didn't wearing you, all black. Can you hear
0: me tell him? Calm the bleep down, Carlin. <laughs> Calm the bleep down. Stop <laughs> rubbing your bleeping eyes. Right. Jared. Come on, Jared. Shave those toes. <laughs> All right, so, <laughs> so yeah, it, it doesn't explain everything. And, again, I, I think that's, that's very Pollyanna to, to believe that everything is okay because this has been recurring. And, and I've been hearing a little whispers, like I've said a couple of times, that, that it's, there is some friction here. And, and hopefully DeAndre Hopkins is the panacea for everything. Apparently he is. Uh, but we're going to find out because there are a lot of um, high-leverage games coming up. And if things go back to being not good, who knows what's going to happen from this point forward. There was, um, it was quite a visual to see the quarterback, uh, undressed the head coach the way he yes. did. And it wasn't the first time it's happened this season. And that's, that's the issue here. And, and so it really gets down to this. It, it's, it's interesting because we've speculated, um, very often in the past on, on the relationship or lack thereof between Larry Fitzgerald and Kyler Murray. How about the fact that, that DeAndre Hopkins not only, uh, brings some coherence to Cliff Kingsbury, but, but he helps Kyler Murray. without DeAndre Hopkins, Kyler Murray's status in the league was starting to sag a little bit. It was. uh, Will that continue? And I was going
2: to ask the question, um, with or without DeAndre Hopkins, and we've got six games without, one game with, but when you look at the first seven games as a whole right now, and you look at Kyler, because I I, I don't feel comfortable. He's a fourth-year quarterback who just got a gigantic contract. Mm -hmm. I'm not pinning... His potential success to whether or not DeAndre Hopkins is on the field. I don't think that's fair. Mm-hmm. Um, what, in your mind, if anything, have you seen the most improvement in, in Kyler Murray's game uh, in his leadership, in his
0: you know, just his, his demeanor, in, in in that, in in the way he uh, speaks to teammates, the way he speaks to the media, just the 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 soundtrack of Kyler Murray has different is different. I uh, you know the, the the actual game itself, I've I saw a little bit of regression, not a ton, but it, it looked to me like his accuracy had really kind of fallen off the map a little, a little bit. bit because I think his 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 technique is not always great. He throws off his back. Feet a lot. He's not always got a shoulder square. Doesn't you know step into throws all that often, and and he's good enough to get away with it a lot of the times. But there have been there have been a lot of uncharacteristic misses from him. Yeah, and I, you didn't really see that being an issue because any you put the ball anywhere around DeAndre Hopkins and he's going to catch it. Like for instance, that one little out pattern, the timing pattern where where DeHop turned around and the ball was right on him. Kyler was a little early on that throw, but DeHop just made it look like it was no issue at all.
2: Yeah, and that's a testament. To his talent, even with maybe some rust built up. Yeah. yeah. See, for me, you know, where I think Kyler Murray's, and I don't think there's been a ton of strides, honestly. And if you want to tie that to Hopkins, that's up to you. Putting the ball in jeopardy, um, I think he's improved there. Only four picks and 281 yeah, attempts. Um, But outside of really, you know, a magical fourth quarter in overtime against Las Vegas, they're. I haven't seen much in terms of, of, of real improvement. I don't. I don't really see much of a drop off. He hasn't elevated to that MVP no, level no, though no, consistently. No. And, and the drop off. I mean, what's completely absent is Kyler Murray's longest pass play this year is 32 yards in seven weeks. Yeah, that's not good. That's not all on no. him. That's got a lot to do with offensive design as well.
0: The, the turnaround was so dramatic with DeAndre Hopkins and on command. I think there's a fear, at least from my perspective, of thinking that everything is magically fine. And, I, and I'm sure on some level, some things are fine. Some things are much better. Um, I, I think the swagger he brings to a football team is really underrated. I think in football, teams crave that kind of guy. Mm-hmm. You need need to have that kind of vibe almost on the edge of, of civility if you will just you've got to have that kind of real frothy self-confident cocky swaggerful team and and that is a dramatic change I mean, think about the old B.A. teams and think of all the swagger those teams had from the head coach on down. It means something in football. So him just coming back and walking around, strutting around, it changes the vibe. Yeah, it, it does. I, I mentioned this in the Blast, in the closing line of the Blast. The, the the utter conviction he has in his own greatness is breathtaking. Yeah. It really is. And he backed it up. I'm good and I know it. Uh, good? Great. <laughs> I'm great, and I know it. He speaks of himself in the unprecedented fifth person. <laughs> <laughs> a better catch by eye. <laughs> yeah, right. That's true. It's true. So it, it's fascinating, and and he is. I mean, he brings such a unique skill set to that position. I, I, it's it's amazing how he can shake defenders. Well, then and the get sky's free. the limit. He's so light. On. Well, yeah. Reel off six in, six in a row. Well, then. But but again, I think there's uh, there's there's danger here because if for the team to be that impotent without him, that's that's a sign of a, of something that's not good. I totally agree. You know what I mean? Yeah.
2: And it's patched up right now, but man, where was where was the plan the first six weeks of the season? And mm-hmm. that might ultimately be what derails this team is their inability to game plan without, without DeAndre Hopkins for six weeks. Yeah,
0: because what, what happens if he has to miss a game? Where do they yeah. go then? Yeah, uh, you can text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Coming
2: up next, the 9 o'clock hour arrives with uh, social studies. Sarah Cazell will take us through all of our activity on Twitter this morning. That is straight ahead. It's Pickley and Murata mornings live from the Occhin Community Studios here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.